Thank you, Julie. Thank you, ladies. Beautiful job. Go ahead and get in your Bible, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14. We are uh, six weeks into our new Sunday evening series on being wise in a foolish world, a series focused in the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs, of course, is the book of the wisdom of God. Ecclesiastes, the book of the wisdom of man, and Proverbs ought to be a part of the regular Bible reading uh, diet of any serious-minded Christian. If you want to become wise in God's sight, then you need to make Proverbs a part of your regular uh, Bible reading. Through this series, my desire is that everyone here would become wise beyond their years. If you're here and you're 10, that you would be wise for a 10-year-old. If you're here tonight and you're 75 or 80, that you would be wise for being 75 or 80. I think we all understand that though we inevitably grow older, we do not inevitably grow wiser. Some people do not grow wiser. Uh, Growing wiser ought to be each of our desires as a Christian. It ought to be our prayer. It ought to be our mission. We just finished up three weeks talking about what it meant to behave ourselves wisely in our own home. And last week we uh, talked about a home as wise in God's eyes if the parents are in charge. We talked about how parents and children go up and down together. God designed a nearly unbreakable link that lasts for life for parents and children going up and down together. We talked about parents disciplining their own children. We talked about parents being the first and key teachers, not the only, but the first and key ones, especially with our example. Tonight, uh, we are going to begin the third of the 12 blocks in which I've broken the book of Proverbs, which is wisdom in our labor. Uh, there are a lot of subjects that people don't like to hear. Uh, work is one of them. Uh, to the average person, work is a dirty four-letter word. Uh, <laughs> but it should be no surprise that in a book of the wisdom of God, uh, God has a lot to say about our work ethic. A lot of Proverbs about diligence, sloth, labor, being a sluggard. Wise ways, foolish ways to look at and handle our labor, our work. It's no surprise also to anybody here tonight when I say that prosperity in America has lured many away from God. It has turned many Americans into people who are very centered on entertainment and leisure. And work doesn't mean anything to them. Our prosperity as Christians has affected the way we consider working for the Lord also. Now, there are a lot of catchy phrases associated with work and work ethic. Without work, nothing grows but weeds. Success will not work until you do. Never hope for it more than you work for it. The only thing that overcomes hard luck is hard work. If you work really hard and are kind, amazing things will happen. Hard work beats talent when talent fails to work. Even if you're on the right track, you'll get run over if you just sit there. You can't achieve a million-dollar dream with a minimum wage work ethic. There's a lot of things. I love those kinds of phrases. But it does bring up a good question. Does a life focused on entertainment and leisure leave an individual more fulfilled than a life of diligence? Why don't you think about that? The the goal of the average person in here tonight and the average person in America is a life of entertainment and leisure. Does that leave you more fulfilled than a life of diligence? 
How, if any way, does the wisdom of God apply to my work and work ethic, my labor and life? What, if anything, does the wisdom of God teach about my labor and my leisure? Now, if I were picking important things in our culture for parents and grandparents to focus on with their children and grandchildren, this would be one of them. All the technology, uh, all those advances in our home and workplace, they've really, quite frankly, made it a lot easier to be lazy. And all of the government giveaways to people who could work but choose not to have made it much easier to become lazy. Uh, just this week, I was talking to a missionary who uh, was in a bad car accident. He was hit by a young man uh, who was 26 years old. And this missionary was talking to this young man after the accident. And the young man said this to him. He said, I'm 26 years old. I've never worked and I'm never going to work. Uh, by the way, the New Testament teaches that man should not eat. It is sad to me that some Christian parents don't grasp how important it is to emphasize the right work ethic and attitude about work as they train their children. Listen to me. If you do not impart this to your children, you are setting them up for a difficult future. Don't think for a second that a lazy child who becomes a lazy teenager is going to suddenly, because they turn 18 or 21, become a diligent young adult. It doesn't work that way. Diligence is built, not born. If I were picking important things for adult Christians in our culture to focus on to help us in life, this would be one of those. Now, don't misunderstand me. No one receives salvation by God because they work hard or they're a good worker or they do good works. Salvation is by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a gift of God that we receive when we humble ourselves and repent of our sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But on the other hand, as a Christian, if you and I are going to live a fulfilled life, it is always going to involve in some way diligence and work. How can I be wise in the eyes of God when it comes to my work ethic and my attitude about work? If you stand, please, in honor of God's Word. By the way, tonight's a good example of of why a lot of preachers don't preach on this kind of stuff because people don't want to hear it. I I honestly, and and I say this and I mean this, I feel privileged to pastor a group of people when a day and age when, by and large, Christian people want to make the Lord's day the Lord's morning, uh, who will come back to hear the Bible. Uh, I, I really, I, I do sincerely appreciate that, and I pray that God would bless you for being here tonight. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23. Proverbs 14, verse 23. In all labor there is profit. But the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. Now, there's some kind of profit in every sort of work, all labor. But talk, instead of labor, leads to poverty. That's what the word penury means. The word penury means extreme poverty. Labor leads to profit. Talk, without labor, leads to poverty. Thank you. You might be seated. But understand that all labor is profitable. Labor is profitable for more than money. Labor is good for our soul. 
Labor actually helps us fulfill our purpose. Proverbs 13.4 says, The soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Now, keep your hand there in Proverbs and go back in your Bible to Genesis uh, chapter 2. I, I haven't been doing this much in this series. I've tried to mainly stay in the book of Proverbs, but I, I want to set a couple things in the record straight. Because when we don't think rightly about stuff, we will never behave rightly about it. We'll go back to Genesis chapter 2. And I want to go, I want to go back to the beginning when, when God created man and placed him in a garden. And uh, I want to point out something that will help our thinking. Notice what it says in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 8. Genesis 2, 8 says, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. There he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. The name of the first is Pison, and that is which compasseth the whole land of Havilah, that where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. And there is Delium in the onyx stone, and the name of the second river is Gihon, the same as that, which compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia. And the name of the third river is Hittical, and that is which goes forth toward the east of Assyria, and the fourth river is Euphrates. Here it is. And the Lord God took the man, and he put him in the Garden of Eden, to dress it and keep it. So you understand that the man's purpose was never a hammock. The ideal world in which God placed man was not, I'm going to place you in this beautiful garden with all these beautiful trees and plants, uh, and I just want you to rest and watch them grow. The ideal world had man working on where God had placed and created him to work. God made us with a purpose, and part of our purpose is labor. Our goal should never be to retire and do nothing. Our goal should always be to find and do whatever work God would have us do at whatever point of life we are in, whether that's 6 or 96. Now, a lot of people wrongly think that work was a part of the curse. And that's sort of the way we treat it. Turn up just a page to Genesis chapter 3. Understand that work was not the curse. Work being difficult is the curse. Which, in effect, made it difficult for us to fulfill our purpose. And what was once easy became difficult because of the curse. This is in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 17. It says, And unto Adam he said, and this is God after Adam had sinned, uh, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. Thou shalt eat of the herb of the field, and the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Do you, do you see the change in work? Work is not the curse. The difficulty of the, of the work is the curse. Which means that if you and I are going to be as fulfilled as Adam was dressing and keeping the garden, we're going to have to struggle through the difficulties of finding work and making ourselves work and the thorns and the thistles and the sweat of our brow if we're ever going to be as fulfilled as God intends us to be. See, one of the best things you and I will ever wisely battle in our own mind and the mind of our children is this idea that work is all bad and leisure is all good. 
Fulfillment and satisfaction come from the right labor. Uh, I've said this many times. Uh, I believe the most miserable people in our entire country are a group of people in Florida who have retired on God and everybody else. You say, why? Because satisfaction and fulfillment comes from doing whatever labor it is that God wants from us at that point in our life. May God help us have wisdom to recognize and embrace the profit in all labor. Go back, please, if you would, to Proverbs again. You say, Brother Wally, I hate work. Well, you ought to repent. Now, I know there's some people that love work, and I've got to tell you, I haven't grown that far. That's my goal. I have grown to understand that if I don't labor where God has asked me to labor, that I'm going to miss some satisfaction and fulfillment in my soul. As I mentioned earlier, uh, he, he said there's profit in all labor, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to pre- uh, penury, a uh, profit uh, in, in money does come from labor. Uh, notice in Proverbs 6 here, in verse 9, that uh, God is going to once again uh, here directly link our labor with our provision. In Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 9 it says, How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? I've got these verses highlighted in my Bible. When wilt thou rise out of thy sleep? Get a little sleep, a little slumber. A little of folding the hands to sleep. That's what the sluggard says. And here's what God says. So shall thy poverty come as one that tra- traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. Notice labor linked with poverty. Proverbs 19.15, an idle soul shall suffer hunger. Proverbs 10.4, he that becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand. Now, I understand there's a certain amount of sleep that's necessary to take care of the Lord's temple. And the body of any genuine Christian is a temple of God because the Spirit of God lives in us. And uh, we will talk uh, about sluggards more later when we reach a different block where we talk about different kinds of people introduced in the book of Proverbs. But we see here that the sluggard loves to sleep and he hates to get out of bed. And God says that that kind of an attitude produces poverty and want. There's profit in all labor. And of course, it is the way God uses in most cases to provide for the needs of His children. You know, some people never experience the satisfaction of a clean house. Or a project in the yard that you just finished. My wife is out of town. The other day I looked and had an empty sink. And I smiled. Some of you have never had that satisfaction. Some never experienced the satisfaction of laboring for the Lord, watching the buses run, the building clean, the flowers bloom, the yard cut cleanly. You must choose to labor, and there's profit in all labor. Some never experienced the satisfaction of a smiling child when they enjoyed the craft you brought, understood the lesson, felt loved and accepted because of you, had God speak to their heart and choose Christ because of your labor. Some never experience the satisfaction of a discerning boss saying, you did a great job. It meant a lot to me to be able to say to our cleaning crew leaders this morning, you know what? You guys do a good job making sure our building is clean. 
Some never know what it's like to have a teacher give them an A in a paper or a test or a project on which they really put their heart. What a robbery of one of the great joys of life when we miss the profit that all labor produces. Those who have the wisdom of God understand that there is profit in all labor. There's profit in digging ditches if you're a digger. I hate digging. There's profit in comparing, uh, repairing a computer if you're a tech worker. There's profit in seeing your house right, the kids fed and clothed if you're a mom who works at home. There's a profit in making your machine run and operate if you repair machines. All labor has profit. Parents and grandparents should model and teach the value of all labor to their children. You know, one of the reasons that our culture is decaying and our churches are decaying is that we do not allow ourselves to see the profit we get in all labor, both for the Lord and in life. Listen, no amount of labor in the church can save your soul, but it is laboring for the Lord that God uses when we as believers work for Him that He uses to bring joy and satisfaction to our soul. Can I just pause for a minute? I want to thank God for my parents. I grew up in a little family farm in Michigan, and they made me get up early every morning and work. I joke around about it, but I probably began hoeing potatoes and things when I was five. I didn't like it. But I thank God for it. I thank God for parents that I could watch work hard. My dad worked in the factory all day. He was a millwright. And I would watch him come home from work. My mom, uh, we didn't have very much money. She would buy uh, a, a thing of Pepsi in the 16-ounce old glass bottles. And no one was allowed to have them. My dad would come home from work. She would pour him a Pepsi in the ice. And all four of his kids would be just sitting there watching him drink that Pepsi. I, I'm not exaggerating. And my dad would change his clothes, he'd drink his Pepsis, a lot of times we'd get a sip, try to get as big a one as you could and stay out of trouble, and he would walk out of the house and work. I thank God for that heritage. You know, you know, the average American today, you, you, you just think, well, I put in my 38 or 40 hours while well, I'm a great worker. No, you began to work. You began to work. I want to thank God that when God saved me at Friendship Baptist Church 32 years ago, my pastor was a diligent man. And the pastor that replaced him was a diligent man. I watched them get up early. I watched them work hard. When I was saved, the people I associated myself with in Christian ministry, they were diligent people. I watched them work 40 and 45 and 50 and 55 and 60 hours a week. And then I watched them do ministry. I watched them show up for church. And I saw how they conducted their lives. And and God taught me what it meant to be a laborer. I saw the joy they had in their life. I saw the satisfaction they had in their life. and, And I wanted that. By the way, I thank God for diligent laborers here. I know that there are people in this congregation who are diligent people. And I want to encourage you, you're a model to the rest of our culture and our world who is missing all the satisfaction that diligence and labor puts in people's lives because there is profit in all labor. You see, when we understand there's profit in all labor, we stop doing everything we can to get out of any form of work. When we understand there's profit in all labor, we don't always talk bad about work or idolize doing nothing. 
Can I just say doing nothing is a hollow goal? When we understand there's profit in all labor, labor, we do not avoid commitments to work in ministry or take responsibility that require work on our part. When we understand there's profit in all labor, students do not shirk their homework or preparation for tests. The most gratifying times of my life have all been times when I labored on something that mattered. Uh, this past week, uh, well, actually for several weeks, I've been working on a koi pond. And it's big. It's got a three-foot waterfall. It's like 23-foot long, 14-foot wide, three-and-a-half-foot deep. We've loaded like 10 tons of, of rock in it by hand. Uh, man, it's really cool. But, man, it's been really hard. But I'll show you a picture afterwards because, you know what, I get great satisfaction from it. In fact, one of the, just to digress a little bit, man, you ever have one of those days when everything goes wrong? Wednesday was one of those for me. I was, uh, Joe Mays was helping me, and I was so thankful that, you know, I'd been moving all these rocks and everything, and I said, you know, my back hasn't gone out yet, but it always goes out suddenly. And about 30 minutes after I said that, I just fell over onto my knees. My back went out. And then um, we built the waterfall, and... I let them talk me into, they wanted to test it with the water hose. Now, I thought this was dumb. My waterfall pump puts out 5,000 gallons of water an hour. This hose puts out like 10. But trying to be friendly to the, to the workers, uh, I said, I'll get the hose. And so I'm pulling the hose, and it gets kinked, and I forgot there's a pool there. And so I'm backing up, and I'm pulling the hose, and it's best, and I pull it. Right into the pump, right into the pool. Phone in my pocket. Of course, you know, everybody's there. You've got to get out quickly. Man, there's no problem. I'm good, yeah. They all left, and I'm moving some rocks around. And, and I mean, we got big, I mean, some rocks are over 100 pounds. And this one wasn't that big, maybe a 50 or 60 pounder. And I was moving around, and I dropped it on my finger so bad that it squished my finger till like, the guts of my finger came out. Didn't cut it, squished it open. It was one of those days. Does that make you feel grossed out? I'll show you after service. But, but you know, all, all that stuff aside, you know what? I just look out the window and I think to myself, wow, that feels good. You're missing that. When you don't labor in ministry, when you don't labor in your house, when you, when you leave your sink pile up, when you, when you don't do your yard, and when you put in your 40 hours and you come home and you sit in your chair like you're the pinnacle of, of, of a laboring person and, and, and you sit there for six hours and, and then you go to bed. Listen, you're missing all the satisfaction because there's profit in all labor. Amen. <laughs> I do love you. Now, I'd like to make some observations. We'll spend a couple of weeks on these and applications about being wise in our labor. Turn up to Proverbs 23. I understand there's an occasional person who's a workaholic. Uh, We don't have too many of those, but there are a few. Uh, By far, more people fail by hitting the brakes than those who fail hitting the accelerator. 
Some applications and observations about being wise in our labor. Number one, why we choose to labor matters. Proverbs 23, verse 4. Labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. You see, those who have the wisdom of God understand why we work matters. There's a difference when we work to live and live to work. I'm not suggesting any of us live to work, but I believe uh, we should live for the Lord. And when we live for the Lord, that includes work, it includes family, it includes walking with God, it includes ministry. I believe it is just and, and good to desire a fair wage for a fair day's work, but we do not labor to be rich. It says cease from that idea because that is man's wisdom. Now, we'll cover this in more detail when we get to the block and wisdom with our money. But I will say this. It is not wise to ever have our motive to become rich. In fact, Paul warned Timothy. He said, for the love of money is the root of all evil. While which some coveted after, they've erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I say to you tonight, instead of laboring to be rich, labor to have enough. Labor to have enough to support your family. Labor to have enough to be generous for the work of God. Labor to have enough to enjoy the free time. God plans for each of us to balance our life and our labor. Labor to have enough because if we labor to be rich, chances are very good that we will stop prioritizing the Lord, the Lord's work, and our own family. Tonight, why is it that you labor? Are you laboring to become rich or are you laboring to have enough and to live a balanced life as a generous Christian? I will say this, if you're the kind of individual that God has blessed with above average gifts and you decide to build diligence into your life and you decide to build character in your life, you need to understand this, the world will want what belongs to God. And the world will want, listen, your company is not concerned about your family. Your company is not concerned about your marriage. That is lip service. And by the way, I don't care that they're not concerned. Uh, We're the charity. They're the business. It's my job to balance my life. Your company doesn't care whether you live for God. Your company doesn't care whether you do ministry. Listen, I would a hundred times a hundred rather have Jesus say to me someday, Well done, thou good and faithful child. I'd much rather be able to look at my family and know that I lived in a way that they knew I loved them and gave them my time than I would to live and be rich. Why we choose to labor matters. The Scriptures do say the hand of the diligent maketh rich. But it is not wise to labor to be rich. And so I ask you again, why do you labor? If you labor to become rich, you'll bring a lot of sorrow into your life. And that is not wise. But it's not just why we labor that matters. Go back in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 6. How we labor matters. By the way, teenagers, if you haven't been building diligence in your life, you need to build some. Young adults, you need to build some. Older adults, you need to remember some. And you grew up in a generation when most everybody was diligent. 
It's not like that anymore. I'll tell you what, if you're a diligent employee in your company, you're going places in your company. How we labor matters. See, those who have the wisdom of God understand that how we work matters too. You'll never do well in any kind of labor as long as your attitude is, I'm not going to do any more than they force me to do. I'm going to do just enough to keep from getting fired. (laughs) By the way, if that's your attitude, you not only will not do well in work, you will not please the Lord. Uh, now, maybe you've never experienced this. I've worked for three different companies before I became a pastor, uh, after I was saved. And in every company, there were some people who seemed to make it their mission to barely stay above being fired. If there was a point system for being laid and, and, and no call, no shows, they always had just enough points to not be fired. And if time went on and they lost some of those points, they would always do something else to stay right there. You say, why? They're lazy. By the way, I've known other employees who are a great joy to work with. I mean, they were sincerely diligent people. They were a joy to work with and to work for. Their attitude and their work adorned the doctrines of God. Now, the Lord gives us a couple of pointers on how to work if we are going to be wise in our labor. Remember, labor can be our job. It can be in our homes. It can be in our church. Labor can be as a volunteer in the community. Uh, this is a way that we wisely labor. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you ought to have an alarm clock. And you ought to get out of bed. If you're retired, you ought to have an alarm clock. You ought to get out of bed. There's satisfaction. And profit in all labor. How does God teach us that we should labor if we're going to be wise in our labors? Uh, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. By the way, before we go on, it's interesting that God likens an ant to a female. By the way, the things God likens to males and females in, in, in the Bible is very significant. Uh, people who say the Bible is anti-women, they're, they're, they're ding-dongs. I mean, wisdom is, is feminine, and uh, love is feminine, and the ideal laborer in an ant is feminine. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. Here's the first way you should labor if you're going to be wise. You should strive to be a good worker without your boss watching. As I understand an ant colony, all the queen does is she sits inside the ant hole and makes more baby ants. And all the other, I mean, anybody here ever seen an ant resting? Man, them dudes are always out doing something. Now, I like to personally smash them because I don't like insects of any sort. Uh, my wife will let spiders live. I kill them. Uh, I don't care. If, you've got, uh, if, if you're an insect and you get near me, you're gone. Unless you can hold up 184 pounds, man, you're gone. But the ant, he sets forth as an example of a good worker because they don't need to supervision to do what they're supposed to do. I don't suppose it's humanly possible to work as well without your boss watching you as you would with them right there. But you know what? We need to strive to be self-motivated workers. By and large, our attitude is this. The cat's the way the mice will play. (laughs) 
Now, that's a general attitude of children and teenagers when their parents aren't watching. That's a general attitude of students when the teacher and principal isn't watching. And sadly, that becomes a general attitude of adults when their boss isn't watching. But that's not the way wise laborers do their work. The best and the wisest employees work hard whether their boss is watching every move they make or not. (laughs) Now, um, my personal goal was to strive to never use more personal time at work than anybody else did. Well, not anybody else, the other good employees. Because, I mean, we all know people. I mean, they were in the bathroom 60 minutes a day and smoking cigarettes out back 60 minutes a day. And uh, I'm not talking about slop-wide employees. I'm talking about everybody uses personal time at work. I strive never to use more personal time than anybody else who is a good employee. Say, why? It's my testimony. And because I didn't want to work poorly when my boss was not watching. Listen, everybody works hard when their boss is watching. They even have computer games where if your boss comes, you can hit a button and it goes back to your Excel spreadsheet. So how do you know that? I don't want to talk about that. Let me just ask you, how much supervision do you need to do your job right? It is a mark of your wisdom in labor. Students, do your parents have to watch over your shoulder to make sure you do your homework well and prepare reasonably for your tests? If they have to do that, you're not a wise laborer. Children, do your parents have to make you go back and do things over all the time because you don't do them well if your parents aren't watching? That's not a wise laborer. Listen, if you don't have time to do them right the first time, where will you ever find time to do it over? Adults, how much does your behavior and effort change if your leader or boss knows what's going on? I have great news and scary news. Turn up just a few pages to Proverbs chapter 15. And it's great news or scary news depending on your perspective on this. But look what it says in verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil, And the good. God is always watching. And by the way, that's a good reason to be a good laborer. Amen? I know we don't like to think about this stuff. But if we're going to be wise in a foolish world, we must begin to think rightly about work. Amen? If you quietly stand tonight.